The shadows of storm and night. The mysteries of life and light. From unearthly peculiarities, celestial and divine, to apparitions and transcendental signs. You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm your host for today, Beck. Before I dive into today's subject, I would love if you could go to Apple, if you're an Apple subscriber, and leave us a review. Your ratings will help us get noticed in the rankings. You can always send us an email and contact us at tothespiritpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today's subject, not only did I find it fascinating to research and read about other people's experiences, but I had a little experience myself, and that was an NDE or near-death experience. Now, in my case, I don't believe that I was gone for very long, and I didn't get to experience what many have. And when I was back from that experience, brought back to life, I remember feeling very heavy within my body. I remember feeling not adjusted, feeling very uncomfortable. And when I looked out of my eyes, I remember it being like looking through a dirty glass window. I wasn't very happy to be back either, but I knew after some time that it wasn't my time. Maybe that's why I didn't experience anything but a lot of blackness. My guest today, she became an ARDS survivor and a near-death experiencer, but not just a normal near-death experiencer. It was a dark near-death experiencer, and that was in January of 2000. During her NDE, she toured many parts of hell and doesn't recommend it. In her newly published book, Misfit in Hell to Have an Expat, she offers glimpses of her dysfunctional family life before her NDE and the after effects of such a life-twisting experience. Please welcome Mary Kathy McDaniel. Hi, MK. Thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Many people are fascinated by near-death experiences, but your story is very different comparatively. Can you bring us through your journey? Uh, the journey started when I was uh, caring for a uh, very dear friend of mine who we used to be engaged for years and years, but uh, he had to be transferred to the East Coast and take a big position. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to really give up my own business and family to uh, to move, but we stayed best friends. Anyway, he called me a couple years later and said that he found out he had leukemia and he was only 52 years old and it just threw me for a loop. And he said he needed some couple of caregivers and would I go? And I said, sure. So um, I had recently sold my business and moved up to Seattle to be near the research facility where he was going to go. They couldn't seem to knock it out any other way. So they were going to run, well, use him as a guinea pig, you know, more or less. So I said, sure. Now I was told it would be three to five months and it turned into about eight. And so there was a lot of drama and trauma and work and no sleep. And eventually he died and it just blew me away. So I was trying to figure out if I was going to go back to my 
old home in my hometown and or or what I was going to do because I had moved there you know for seven eight months anyway in the meantime uh, there was a very bad flu going around and I picked it up and because my immune system was shot I, I caught it and um, a friend that I had met during the eight months uh, thank God when I called him and said I was deathly ill could he please get me to a hospital he showed up and by the time they got me there they no no pulse or anything so they got me going and to make it a little shorter i had uh pneumonia that went into ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome also known as lung failure and that's usually what people in covid or or, or sars or whatever that whatever like flu there is going around that's the actual thing that kills them so they they put me in a coma intubated me and said you're going to go to sleep and it turned out to be three weeks. I was in this coma and somewhere in that time, I woke up and I was in the dark and there was no, no noise or, or sound of any sort. And I was really quite confused. And uh, as I stood there afraid to move, cause I didn't know if I was standing or sitting or what, uh, the scene kind of clarified itself and became kind of a reddish glow and fog and and a terrible smell. And then I started hearing people shrieking and moaning. And I thought, oh, wow, this can't be good. And then this voice came out of the, the mist that just boomed at me saying, do you know where you are? And I thought, oh, I got a clue, but I hope I'm wrong. And I just whispered, hell? And he just boomed back with this maniacal laugh. And I turned and I ran into the darkness. I didn't care where I was going. I knew I was in terrible danger. So that's how I got to the other side. I don't blame you for running. I think I would have done the same thing. <laughs> um, now, during this process, I know that ARDS is, many people don't make it out of that. That's mm -hmm. very rare. And we'll probably jump into that later as far as coming through that and what that took. But when you experienced this did you actually die within the coma or do you think this was like an astral travel type of situation uh, uh it's been 21 years since this experience and um after finding ions the international association of near-death studies and meeting hundreds and hundreds of dead people it's been really fun to uh compare uh notes and to do a lot of reading and the consensus is that if you're in a coma, your soul is uh, can be free range and it can it can wander off and, and you don't have to be, you know, flatlined or, or anything like that. I left. I went away uh, to the other side. And that's just what I know. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I have had a few experiences and one within sleeping. It was a dream. But you know how you have those dreams of maybe family or friends that have passed on, you reconnect with them in that dream and you wake up and you forever remember that dream. It feels so real. And most dreams you don't remember, you know, most dreams you That's wake right. up. Those are very special. So you know, that was a contact that you had with that loved one. Right. It's, a, it's called a lucid dream. I've had those too with people who have been on the other side. And the next day you just feel so happy. 
And it's not like you dreamt you were someplace. You're actually communicating. Exactly. So I'm going to say that this is along the same lines that you were exploring a different, I don't know, a dimension, planes. It was hell. And it was a hell that I, I determined later I made for myself. Um, I, I noticed one of your uh, co-hosts sometimes is a former Catholic nun. I was born and raised Catholic. And from day one, we were taught always in Catholic schools, uh, that there was a purgatory and that nobody's perfect. And so when we die, uh, we go to purgatory and we get our sins burned off and then we go to God when we're purified. So I bought that hook, line and sinker. And I believe that we manifest a lot of our own reality. And the fact that I believed it and lived my life knowing that was going to happen to me, expecting it, I wasn't disappointed. So I found myself in purgatory or hell and the hellish experiences that I had during my life. And there were many of them I kind of brought with me. So there was the basis of the horrors that I endured down there. I could tie back to things that had actually happened to me on earth. And this is with 21 years of introspection and study and, and reading other books like uh, Howard Storm and Nancy Evan Bush, they, they came to believe their, their distressing or dark NDEs were actually a blessing. And uh, that took me a long time to accept, but I know it now it was a blessing. And that part of what I was sent back for, I think the major part was to also share with other people particularly those that believe in purgatory and hell, that you don't have to go there, that God is all love, all loving, forgiving. He would never condemn anybody. There's it, just think of the um, prodigal son. That's, that's the real God. So we go to hell, those of us that do, by choice. And I'm just saying, please don't choose that. It, it's not necessary. I'm so glad that you covered that because I was going to bring up the fact that my co-host <laughs> and some of the <laughs> guests that I have on, they're into their Catholic religion and I'm not condemning it. She's open-minded enough to believe in spiritual aspects of psychic abilities and things like that. But there is this heavy belief within her that she speaks about purgatory and how they do believe that you just go there. And I never felt that to be true within my soul. It's what you make of it. Have you ever heard of Chico Xavier? No, he was I don't think a, so. He was a popular Brazilian philanthropist and spiritual medium, and he wrote many books. There was a movie made called Astral City. This was about a spirit named Dr. Andre Luiz and how he communicated his experience in the afterlife through one of the world's most renowned mediums, which was Chico Xavier. And mm. when Andre Luiz, a selfish, prominent physician and father of three, dies, instead of rising to what he believed would be heaven, he awakens in a valley of devastation. Living as a castaway, as well as other spirits around him, he is deemed to have been a suicide, and it is beyond him why he had such a fate. Now, he betrayed his own existence by his self-destructive actions during his life on Earth. And in order to prove that he valued his life, he has to gain merits in the eyes of the city's ministries through humbling hard work. And why I bring that up is because he didn't live <laughs> the best life on earth. He was a very selfish man. 
And I believe that where he went in that movie was it just portrayed things very excellent. And I feel like a lot of the things maybe you've experienced are going to parallel. You go where you feel you deserve, as we covered, but also there's levels to this, isn't there? My experience was different from that. Gosh, how can I say it? I didn't see the movie or anything, but um, I experienced the devastation in the city. I, I A lot of people see, do that one um, and other hellious things. But what I know now is that we choose our own lives. We start off in heaven and we choose our lives. We choose the lessons we want to learn, the difficulties, the people we want to be with. And so when we come down to earth, we're not being punished, being sent back to earth. We're, we're choosing to do something positive. And so when things come up that seem hellish or, or terrible, now I look at that and say, wow, that was a lesson I wanted to learn here on earth. I, I wonder what that was, rather than saying I'm being punished by God or punished by whoever for a previous life or, or anything. There, there's no punishment anywhere that comes from God. In this place, though, that you went in the hell that you describe, was there a complete absence of God? Yeah. I, d I never thought of God at all. I just thought I was still alive. I never felt dead. I never did till the very end when uh, the last chapter uh, setting, wherever it was, it was a terrible setting with, with uh, other uh, women. We were going to be made horrors of hell. And uh, we were waiting in this horrible shack uh, in, the, in the snow. And this demon lady was berating us and telling us to despair. That's what they always wanted was you to despair. And all I remembered was that was that was the one number one thing I could not do. That's part of the reason I kept I kept fighting. And and whenever they would tell me to do something, I'd buck them. And that's why my my uh, book is called Misfit in Hell, part of it. But I I never thought of God. And then it was so strange because at the very end I, I said to her, I felt like I'd been there a couple of years. And I says, I don't know, there's Today, today, for some reason, it feels particularly heavy and nasty here. Is there some reason? And she says, oh, flippantly, today is um, Christmas on earth. That's always the worst day in hell. And that shocked me. And I thought a lot. I thought, oh, my gosh. And I thought, well, uh, that just triggered something in me. My, the Christmas carol that I always loved, which was Away in a Manger. No crib for his head, the little Lord. And as I as I sang along and the other ladies were starting to sing along and this demon lady was freaking out and telling us to shut up. When I got to that word, miraculously, I didn't know why, but boom, I'm in this huge, lighted, wonderful space. I'm filled with, with bliss and joy. I am just totally happy and surprised. And none of that other hell stuff was in my mind. Now all that filled my mind was this obvious melding with God. And I looked up and I saw my friend, the one that had died only, um, um, well, very little, what was that? Oh, a month before I did. And, and he looked great. And he had looked like a Dickens when I had last seen him with a dying of leukemia. And he was just happy and smiling and I thought to myself, oh my God, he doesn't know he's dead. 
And he really started laughing. And then it dawned on me, he was reading my thoughts. And I thought, oh, wow, if he's dead, then I'm dead. And this is terrific. I made it. I'm in heaven. And I was so happy and so excited until he said, now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. And it dawned on me that they were sending me back. And I said, no, no. And off I went. (laughs) And it was pretty nasty to wake up in ICU, weighing 86 pounds, unable to move anything except one finger, and I can blink. And my family all around, all excited. And I've just been thrown out of heaven. It was terrible. When you were in hell, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You said you were with others when you started singing. Mm -hmm. Did you know these other people? I saw two people in my family when I was there. And it turned out later I needed to give them both messages. They were on a rocky road. They were had something in their lives that needed looking at. But at the time, again, I didn't think I was dead, so I was really thrilled when I saw them. But both of them shunned me, shunned me there. It would not help me. But the rest of the, quote, people were people I did not know. But there was one city that seemed to be full of, like, zombies. They were, their skin was rotting, and they were limping along and and, uh, muttering to themselves. It was very dark there. And uh, I was attacked there. But, no, the rest of those people I didn't know, and there there were several demons there, of course, I didn't know. You were in a city with these zombies, with these people that attacked you. And I feel like there's layers to it, like maybe different dimensional heights of hell. Does that make sense? Like maybe there's lower planes and a little bit higher planes where people are kind of zombies walking around, not even sure why they're there. Uh, well, if you go back to the premise that we make our own hell, I can only speak for my own. And I was, it was like, I was on a road. It was like, as far as I could see, there was just a little glowing in the background. It was just, you know, rocks, devastation, no, nothing that was, I just, when I went through each of these scenarios, I would get back on this terrible road and it, and there was nobody else on it, but me. And I, I, I was frightened the whole time. I kept looking behind myself and wondering what was ahead. So the, it wasn't really layers for me. It was just one immense flat plane. But um, again, we hear about Dante's Inferno and all of that stuff. And, you know, we, we make our own hell. I don't think there actually is a hell someplace, you know, like 20 miles out of Phoenix or something. I mean, uh, in the astral dimension, I don't know. All I know is my experience and the experiences of people whom I've talked to or read about. So I, I can't give a definite answer on that. Did you have a hard time after you came back? Meaning, did you feel lost or you didn't want to be here? Yes, I was very angry to be back. And it was probably good that I couldn't talk. I was, they had traked me. So I had a device in my throat and, and, uh, it was a good thing because I was furious and I was mad at my family for praying for me. They all, oh, they had this prayer circle that went around the world. And at one point my mom says, did you see Patrick? That was the name of my friend in heaven. And I kind of looked at her and she says, you were laying there. I couldn't talk. She said, you were just laying there and, and 
like you always were, then all of a sudden your face started to light up and you were trying to talk. You were moving your lips and you looked so happy. And I, and I was yelling, send her back, Patrick, you can't have her yet. And I thought, oh, mother, if I could get out of this bed, I'd strangle you. But I didn't <laughs> say it. <laughs> yeah. What did you learn from this experience that you didn't know about before? Uh, I learned that I love my Catholic faith. I really did. And I, I, I just, I outgrew it. Uh, once, you know, you go through life and there's so much you don't know and you don't experience. And, and religion is one of those things. I mean, you rely on people who know more than you uh, to tell you about God and, and, and you read about God and you read the Bible and you, you, you try and formulate all what God is and you hear all this stuff your whole life. But when you're there, when you're part of God, when you're part of heaven, it's also clear that what we learned in kindergarten, who is God? God is love. Where is God? God is everywhere. And what Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. That's all we need to know. We don't need all these rules. And so most of us come back, no matter if they're agnostic or atheist or religious or, or whatever, as spiritual beings now. Uh, it's Religion is too small of a box. And I don't mean that in any derogatory way for people that haven't had this experience. That's all, that's all you know. I'm just telling you how I, I changed. And it made it very difficult for me to explain this to my family who are, you know, rock solid Catholics. And my mother still bemoans that, oh, you don't go to church anymore. And, and it's, it's, it makes, it changes you. It changes everything. It's very difficult. believe in past lives? Uh, yeah, I do now. Um, I've done, you know, regressions on some of our seminars. IONS is just such a wealth of information for anything paranormal or otherworldly. I, I recommend this, the site. Uh, it's iands.org. But yeah, I think we do come down multiple times. And that was you know, in the church, no, 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 no reincarnation. But I really think we do. And I don't know how many, you know, the thing it comes down to is we're, we're down on this planet with this little bitty human brain. And the reality of what's out there is so huge that an eternal and limitless, it's just impossible for us poor humans to understand or explain or wrap our little minds around it. And I'm not being negative. I'm just saying that's the fact. It's by being a little child and being somebody's trying to teach a trigonometry. We don't have the ability to really comprehend everything that's out there. And that's another wonderful thing about 
dying and and your soul getting free and you can just go explore and just have a ball. When you experienced meeting your friend that looked healthy and happy and he sent you back, did you see anybody else or have any other experiences or it was just with him saying, you got to go back now? No, it was interesting. A lot of people um, know that they were told things and uh, given, you know, shown what they're supposed to do when they get back and they get back and they can't remember a darn thing. And they do that on purpose. And it's a very nasty trick. But anyway, I do remember uh, when he was just after he told me that I looked over to my right and on this, uh, the room is hard to describe everything on the other side is hard to describe, but it wasn't really a wall, but well, anyway, there was this big like architect's table with this huge book on it and it was open about halfway And I remembered something flashed through my mind when he was showing me something in there. And I said, oh, no, that's going to be too hard. I want to stay here with you. So I'm sure they were telling me all the stuff that I was going to have to do or why I was being sent back. And at the time, it might have made sense, but I still didn't like it. Most people don't have a choice. They're just, I don't know, we're just sent back to give, give messages. And, uh, I haven't met a very many people, if any, the only people I've ever heard of that wanted to go back were people that just had a baby. They died giving birth or they had little tiny ones at home and they, they were way too worried what would happen to their babies if they didn't go back. Otherwise, most people are pretty upset. Yeah. There's a lot of physical pain that comes along with getting back into yourself. As oh, as- yeah. Once you've been a spirit and you're just, you know, it's just a nice feeling. And then you get crammed back into this body. And mine, I mean, it was trashed. Uh, I had a whole whole nother month in a physical rehab facility because I had no muscle mass, I had no muscle memory. So I had to learn once they got me over 100 pounds, I, I could leave the hospital. I had to learn how to walk, talk, swallow, feed myself, crawl, go up steps. I couldn't do anything. It was like an infant. And that was embarrassing. It was painful. It was humiliating. It was a long, horrible journey. So I was, I was not fit company for almost a year. And then I decided, darn it, if I'm stuck here on this planet... And I can't go home until I get all this stuff done. Then by jumbies, I'm going to get well and I'm going to get my life back and I'm going to start crossing things off this invisible list so I can go home. That's what everybody calls it. It's home. God bless you. When you were in spirit, what did that feel like? It felt like me. I had no idea. Uh at all, that I was ever anything but me. I didn't feel, I didn't miss my body. I didn't, I didn't even know I didn't have a body. I mean, you didn't have a mirror, you know, so there's, there's no way to really tell. So many people said, well, could you see your feet? And I thought, well, I never looked down to even check. I didn't feel any different. Ecstatically yeah. happy. Could you feel a breeze on your face? Could you feel a breath coming from yourself? No, I didn't even think about it. I, I, it didn't occur to me to check. Uh, when I saw him, that's why I was so shocked. He looked great. And I thought, you know, what's wrong with this picture? I, I was so confused. And the fact that he was obviously hearing my thoughts uh, gave me a clue. 
But then when it dawns on you, you think, oh, your your whole life, that's what you want to do is be in heaven. And it was just wonderful. I couldn't wait. I, I wanted him to go start showing me stuff. I want to go places and see people and do things. But that didn't happen. When you got back into your body and you were going through your struggle of rehabilitation, sometimes people have psychic abilities or intuitive abilities. When they come back, they seem to have something. Did you notice if you had any of those? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's There's a lot of stuff that has to do with electricity and energy, too. And once I got back to driving and stuff, it was funny at night. I'd be driving around. Every time I came to a stop sign, the overhead lights would go out in the street, the street lamps. That happened all the time. And I, I was telling somebody, I says, I don't know what's going on. I, I, every time I get around light too long, the, the, it goes out. And, and uh, a couple of my friends and said, oh, that's ridiculous. And I took them out driving and it happened every time. And they all start to say, this is weird. Well, it turned out through ions, there's usually almost always an energy problem. Some people can't wear watches anymore. They keep stopping. The batteries and things wear out all the time. A lot of time I'll have electrical problems. And that's funny. But the the big one is, yeah, I felt um, I could feel people's feelings and I could tell when they were talking to me if they were telling me the truth or not. And that was kind of funny. I enjoy that. What else? There's a few things. Oh, there's sometimes I can tell like <laughs> silly things when I'm watching television with my my friend, things will be happening and I can just. I hear the words like two seconds before they say them, especially when there's going to be a reveal, you know, who's the, the culprit. And I can say the exact words they're going to say just two seconds before he had to finally say, would you quit doing that? You're ruining the show for me. Oh, and the voice. That's another big one. Most people during their lives hear a voice in their heads that we were told as children were, was our guardian angel or our conscience. Some people call it your higher self. I had that experience my whole life. I just figured it was my guardian angel. But when I got back, the voice got really loud. And I knew it was the voice because it, it was telling me to do things I didn't want to do. And I thought, oh, shoot, now I'm schizophrenic. But that wasn't it. I, when I, again, went to Ian's, people said, oh, that's just the voice. You'll get used to it. Is it a higher self voice or is it? No, a... it, well, it's, it's part of his spirit. It's spirit. We're we're all one. We're all a we're all one big piece of God, basically. And then we're just little bits. Each spirit is just kind of little. You've got a big a cookie dough, and you and you take a little bit and you make a cookie. That's that's how I kind of see it. God is like that, and we take little bits. And I'm me, and you you you're you. But when we go back to spirit, we're all just magically one. There's no body. So, I mean, everything is God. Every universe, every everything God made is still God. Spirits in everything. If it weren't, it wouldn't exist. Uh, it gets kind of trippy. What do we need to do to get to heaven? That's a great question because there was that part of me that was still a little concerned that when I died, that I might slip back into that space. And I, I had a long talk with God and I says, you know, I, I really don't want to do that. I know we've got the 10 commandments, but can you shorten it up for me and give me kind of an updated thing that I can, some mantra I can say every morning. And it came two words at a time over a series of months, but it was to be loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, 
grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. And that's seared into my brain. I can't remember where I left my keys. That's the way I get up every morning. I got my picture of Jesus and I say, dear Jesus, help me to be this and this. And that's how I start my day. It's easy to slip into that human aspect of being judgmental or being angry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's easy to be human. And that's okay because that's why we're here. Another fun thing that I've learned and I'm Uh, I think will be interesting is almost everybody talks about a life review and it has nothing to do with God and a scepter or any of that stuff. People have their guides. I guess we've all got guides. They're spiritual beings, kind of like guardian angels, but they're guides. But anyway, they'll meet us. And when we're, we're allowed or shown our entire life, every second, start to finish, and we stand there with the guides and we just observe it. And we can say, wow, you know, I did pretty good there. Or gosh, I could probably handle that a little better. And then the cool thing is they flip it around. And then you get to see your entire life from the eyes and from the feelings of the people you interacted with. So if there's any judgments, too strong a word, if there's any time that we get to reflect, that would be it. So if you were mean to somebody, if you cheated somebody, you get to see that, be that person or or feel that person's feelings. That is how we learn if we accomplished our goals when we set out to go to earth to learn this, this, and this, then we have some feedback as to how well we did. And this is just for our own edification. It's not for any kind of a judgment. I much prefer that to <laughs> the, 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 the fire and the brimstone and all that stuff, because then you learn something. And so maybe you want to come down to earth or another planet or something, and maybe work on that judgment issue you've got, you know, you've got your free will. We've always got our free will, so we can do whatever we want. Actually, if you want to go down, fine. If you don't want to go down, fine. If you want to fly around the universe, have a good time. It's something to look forward to just to give back and do something positive so that when you do eventually cross, you're able to feel that joy that you Mm -hmm. brought into other people's Mm -hmm. lives. Once it sinks in, that whole thing about you planning it, I think, you know, I no longer felt like a victim. Uh, You know, instead of saying, God, why did you do this to me? And why did you do that to me? I, I can say, wow, wonder what I wanted to learn. And so I can put on the brakes if I'm in a Ooh, I'm angry with somebody for something. And I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something here I'd have to look at. Is that one of my loving, kind, merciful, forgiving things that I've, I'm slipping up on and I need to work on? It, it really, it makes your life a lot lighter. If you don't feel like you're being picked on by the universe, you're just, you're just living out what you chose to live out. You hear so many theories as far as when it comes to death and reincarnation and some people believe that you have no choice and you have to just keep coming back and coming back until you master it. Some mm-hmm. people believe that everything's pre-scripted from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different thoughts and beliefs on it that I think it can be very confusing. There must be some solace that you have in knowing what you know from your experience. Oh yeah. It, it like I say, my, my life is a lot lighter. It's, it's not still not easy. I've still got, trials and tribulations that I I decided I needed to work on. And I just hope that I am. And uh, again, if I could just remember to be loving and kind in all situations, that'll kind of settle me down. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll simmer down the anger, back it up a little bit and say, okay, how can I make this a win-win 
by being loving and kind, because that's the only way you're going to diffuse something. Uh, anger begets anger. Why do you think that this happened to you? I chose it. I chose it. I just didn't remember doing it, but I chose everything that happened in my life. And I chose to, <clears throat> I chose to believe in purgatory and I chose to live my life knowing that <laughs> the thing with the indulgences, you know, you, you got a hundred days off of purgatory if you said a rosary, but you got 150 if you hit your sister. And, you know, it was a big math problem. And uh, God doesn't work like that. God's just simply love. And he's just watching us. We're just his children. He loves us no matter what. And all this stuff is brought about by our free will. And, and that's okay. That's okay. That's, we just, once you realize that though, it just changed. You're never the same person. You're just, you can't be. You can't be the same person once you've been in the presence of God. Let's talk about the power of prayer. I was not feeling well when we had uh, our first interview scheduled. I had to reschedule right. with you. And I know you had put yeah. me into a prayer group, and I believe yeah. in the power of prayer. Oh, and definitely. You had many people praying for you to return, and you were kind of shot back. Yeah. I, I think that that was planned, obviously, divinely planned yeah. for you to come back. Prayer. What do you, how do you think that affects others? Oh, prayer is is marvelous. I pray a lot. Prayer is is positive energy. Prayer is positive energy that it doesn't have to go through God. It is just our being spirit. We're all spirit. So if we wish each other well, or, you know, it's that whole, you create your own identity, you create your own reality. Uh, if you, you know, put positive thoughts out, you know, positivity comes back that it, all that stuff's true. So yeah, prayer is, is positive energy for someone. Now, if they've got cancer, let's just pick that out. Uh, and everybody prays that that person survives it. Um, that may not be what that person chose for themselves. They may have chosen to come down and go through cancer to let other people learn how it is to be empathetic and helpful and kind. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what we've planned. So the best prayer I learned a long time ago is thy will be done. That's what I pray for. I, I pray for people to have peace and strength and courage to go through whatever it is they've chosen. I had a, a baby that died when she was two days old. I was really angry about that, but later... I came to know that she chose to come down to be with me for a short time. She didn't want to be on earth that long. So she wanted to be here. That whole experience changed my life in a lot of ways, in a lot of positive ways. I was able to be empathetic for other friends of mine who lost babies. Uh, there's an empathy that comes through suffering. And empathy is a lot, lot more effective than sympathy. Uh, because you know how that person feels, and that gives them courage and strength. It, it's all good. It all works out for the best. All lessons, and they're mm -hmm. hard lessons, but they're they're lessons yeah. for the other person. I've spoken with Reiki practitioners who mm -hmm. have tried to help to heal someone with cancer, and that person ended up passing away, unfortunately. And why didn't this work? But I think that falls back to what you said, that this was all kind of designed to happen. And maybe mm -hmm. that 
energy that they were giving with the person that's suffering, maybe it helped to lighten it a bit and maybe it helped them into their transition. Right. It it gives them courage. It gives them peace. God won't step in and, and change, change things because of our free will. He won't. I think a lot of people turn to alternative medicine thinking this is going to heal me. I'm, this is it. But a lot of good points you've brought up is that we come here, we struggle, we learn, we teach others, and we have to try to keep a good, a good attitude through it all. Right. Absolutely. So, where can people find your book? Uh, it's on Amazon, and it's called Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expat. And the Misfit in Hell was because I fought with those darn demons the whole time I was there. And the Heaven Expat's fun because you've heard the term expatriate. That's a, a person that lives in one country and then they go and they work in another country. And then when they get everything done, they come back. But in the meantime, when they're they're working, they're called expats. And so all of us start in heaven. Heaven is our home country. And we come down here to work and we're expats while we're here. And then when we're finished, we all go home. So it's Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expat on Amazon. And then my website's the same address. It's just www and then Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expat. Yeah, it's getting pretty good reviews, but uh, I'm really back just to share my message. It's kind of interesting for people to see how I got here. And uh, it's, it's written with humor and it's not all heavy, it is sad in parts, but then everybody's life is. But yeah, uh, thank you for uh, offering me to give that information. What message do you have for all our listeners? I would just reiterate, <laughs> be loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. And useful is putting your money where your mouth is. It's one thing to say, oh, that poor homeless man, and it's another to maybe give him five bucks or go down to your local rescue mission and do a donation. That's, that's my big deal. Catholic Community Services does wonderful things for homeless shelters. MK, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I felt, too. I felt very connected to what you said. And I'm hoping that others can see things in a little different way just from listening to this. So oh, thank good. you so much. And God bless you. God bless you too, Rebecca. To the spirit podcast. Supernatural science. I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic, magic.